Hello, my name is Amber Vandebun, author of Overcome, and today I'm here with Jenny. Hi, I am Jenny Ketchum, also Jenny Ketchum Crooks got married, so that changed that. I'm a former adult performer, author of I Am Jenny, and now a therapist, and so exciting to be talking to you, Amber. I know, finally. I know, long time, not too long. I mean, we've sort of been chatting, we've been courting one another for some time now. Yeah, a few years when I was writing my book. That was like my go-to was like, I need to ask Jenny questions. I love it. I love it. So I was I was so excited when you reached out to me at first. Um, maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe tell me about like, tell me about how you came to decide to write in the first place. Like, how was this decision born? I think the way I finally decided to write was my time in the adult industry I could I could tell that I needed to leave I wanted to have a family and there was a few other things going on so I wanted to step back and I always have been a big reader myself so Mm -hmm. I was reading some books I was reading um Girlvert and then my mother-in-law saw I was reading that and then she recommended I read your book Oh, mother-in-law, love her. Yeah, she actually told me today, I told her I was going to be talking to you, and she's like, oh, tell her you used to go to um, some, you used to, you were with my mother-in-law's sister in some group, and that's how she knew about your book. Oh, like some, like, anonymous type of group? She said a women's support group. Okay. I mean, yeah, I I totally did those sort of things, so that checks out. <laughs> yeah, so um, so that she told me to get your book, so I got your book, and then I read it, and I was just so inspired, and that's why I was reaching out to you because your book really inspired me a lot. So I decided that I was going to try to actually write a book, and I had no idea how to begin or how to do an outline or where to even start. I just knew I wanted to write. One, I am so glad that um, the stars and women's groups aligned and that um, you reached out to me. I know, like, having reached out to people whose books I've read, like, I've also done other things, but it, it can be really intimidating and scary. And, like, I'm so glad that you did and so glad that we got to um, jumpstart this thing for you. I'm I'm curious about um I'm curious about your writing process. Like so so tell me like beginning, middle, end, like what what was this process like for you? So when I started, I was uh I was pregnant when I started, so I had all this time because I just retired from the adult industry and I was just sitting home pregnant. So I'm like, I'm gonna start writing. So I, beginning, I went to you and was like, where do I even start? And so Mm -hmm. then I kind of wrote down like the topics that I wanted to cover. And then Mm -hmm. after I did that, I was like, oh, my God, I don't even know how to start writing now. So I just decided like, I was like, where am I going to start? So I just picked kind of when I knew I was going to be in the adult industry, like sitting in class and computer class in high Mm -hmm. school and like looking up 
good stage names and stuff. So I started it like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. it was just like in the middle. I mean, writing this book took me almost two years because it was really discouraging because I had no idea if anyone was going to publish me. Yeah. So I kind of would get all inspired and then my my head, I'd be like in my head, I would say, you're never going to write a book. You're never going to publish like you're wasting your time. And so I'd stop for a little bit and then I would get inspired again. So it was a process. And then at the end, then mm. when I was done, then I hit you back up again. I'm like, okay, I, th- I think I wrote a book. Uh, <laughs> what do I do now? Like, should I just like mm-hmm. check it myself? And I, how do I even try to get this published? So yeah. I, I, w- I felt like I was like blindly going through this because I have no experience with like the literature world. So yeah. it was definitely a journey. Um, but I'm so glad I did it all. It all kind of worked out perfect. Yeah, it really did. And I think um, I think what was always so neat for me to get to watch, especially like now as a mental health practitioner, like I see a lot of people sort of tackle their stories, right? And and they, I find that there's this tendency to say like, okay, I, I want to tell this story or like I want to understand this like bigger picture of my life and um and then a lot of people get stuck in that process and and then they stop and they're like, fuck this, this is whatever, too painful, there's too much shit that's like left undone, I don't know how it's going to end, it's too anxiety invoking, whatever it is, it's, it's too much of it. And there's this, there is this tendency for people to get stuck and to think that like, just because they think they can't do it, that means that they actually can't do it. And I think what impresses me with you is that like, you came to me and you're like, how, how do I do this? And I was like, write a fucking outline. And then you did. And, and then like you wrote a book and I was like, holy shit. Like that's exactly how you fucking do that. Like that's exactly how you do that. Like you write an outline and then you follow the outline and then like you edit the shit out of it. And then, and then you see if anybody wants to read it. And like, you just have so much hustle and so much heart that it it, it was really exciting to get to watch. And every time you touch back in with me, I would be stoked. I would, I would tell my husband, like, oh, my God, she's, like, totally fucking doing it. <laughs> we were just, like, so excited for you from afar, like, totally geeking out over, like, how brave and courageous we have to be to to have, like, no uh, no grounding in the lit world and be like, no, I want to do this thing that's, like, super hard and that, like, so many people say they want to do mm-hmm. um, and that so many people just can't follow through on and you totally followed through. Thank I'm curious, you. you said that, like, you would, um, and perhaps you didn't say like this, but so the, the essence of what I got was that, like, you were, like, riding on these waves of inspiration, and, like, the inspiration would lap upon the shores, and then it would be gone, and you'd be looking back out at the ocean, like, this thing is fucking huge, how, like, like how is it that you found the courage to swim back out into the ocean and start again? I just really felt like I had a story to tell from being very open on social media for years. Like even just putting Mm -hmm. an Instagram post out about my sobriety, I would get so many messages from girls saying it helped them. So that was that was definitely inspiring. And people being like, hey, how's your book going when I said I was trying to write one? So like knowing Mm -hmm. there was people that like wanted to read it and were waiting was like, all right, 
there's actually people that want to read this. I'm I'm going to go for this. And yeah. um, I mean, I definitely got in some points, some parts of like getting very stuck of not knowing if I can do this. I remember messaging you being like, I don't know. This is just so many pages. I, I haven't wrote in like a couple months. And I remember you just mm-hmm. like hyping me up. And I was like, all right, I can do this. <laughs> Yeah, so I hear I hear a bunch of different things, and I hear like the um, this sort of like heart knowledge that you have something that is important and that is worth sharing. Which, yes, and then I also hear you talking about accountability, like like you you put it out into the universe, and then there were these people out there who were who were stoked. So it's sort of like twofold in that, right? Like you felt somewhat accountable to them, but also like it was validating knowing that like they were like yep I'm gonna buy that shit I'm gonna read that shit and you're like okay well I better like I better do this thing and like write it like I I know that um when I left the industry one of the things that I did to ensure that I left was sort of along that similar vein of accountability um and validity and and like I put a post up on this blog that I had been writing saying like I'm done I said my real name out loud which was like I, I mean you know how like yeah. scary that shit is right like yeah you almost forget I, your I, own name sometimes your real name yeah totally totally and then to like put it out in the world and be like this is my name uh, and I quit and I, I, I think I had so much um attachment to the people who are going to hold me accountable and that also relied so heavily on like uh people who used to be like penny flame fans saying like you got this like you can leave you can do something different um yeah go get it and i think i think that it's something that um that sort of like online community is something that can be so uplifting but also something that can be so damaging right oh my god I totally can relate to that there's like so many fans that are like bomb fans like they'll be like when I leave they're like yeah go live your life go start a family and even like when I got my uh I had my breast implants removed and there was I was like oh my god my fan base is gonna be so mad but when they knew it was Mm -hmm. for health reasons they had my back and they're like yeah get healthy that's all we care about and I was like really Mm -hmm. I just assume Mm -hmm. that that they don't care they only care about my body and stuff but I learned that my fan base is way more than that yeah yeah there's there's like a really solid group of people in this world online who um happen to purchase the videos happen that well maybe they're downloading them for free who fucking knows right mm-hmm. but there's a solid fan base who like cares about more than just us getting fucked yeah and, i like, love those what guys a, what a nice thing right like yes. what a nice thing like i still like t- 10 years out i still have people like hitting me up on instagram being like i'm so proud of you like you're doing great never could have seen where you were gonna go and like it's just so that's cool. Yeah. So, so I see. I thought. Well, so you said you were leaving the business to start a family, but are you with you with Rogers again? Also, is Brando still with Rogers? I'm kind of obsessed with him, and I love him. But anyway, if he's not. That's fine. That's fine. He's but still he is, there. Tell him he's I love still him. there. Um, of course, he is. <laughs> tell him I love him, and tell is Daisy still there? No. 
Brando, tell him I say hi and tell him that Nazi says hi. Oh, so I actually don't shoot for them. I I don't shoot anymore. So I came back. No shit. Yes. Okay. (laughs) So I came back to the end. Well, I mean, I kind of do. Let me let me explain. So I came back with a a Brazzers contract. They, I told them I was thinking about coming back, and then they kind of lured a contract in for my face, and I was like, oh my god, like goals. I want to be a Brazzers contract girl. Yeah, right. So. So yeah. I did that. So look at all this money. You're like, fuck, fine. Yeah. So I did that for, I think, six months. And then I shot just a couple more scenes. But I I hate being away from my daughter. That's the thing. Like, I have to travel to Vegas and LA for, like, yeah. days at a time. And I just – it wasn't worth it to me. Like, I love – it wasn't that I hated what I was doing. I loved it. But it wasn't worth mm-hmm. being away from my daughter, especially when she's so young. So mm-hmm. I, I'm doing all those online platforms and that's making me just as much money, which is great. Gotcha. And I can, you know, yeah. do it while she's at preschool, do it during nap time. just like <laughs> So I can still be like totally. a mom, but like still involved in the industry somewhat. But I'm just shooting for myself now. Gotcha. OK, I'm so confused. So I thought that you were done, like somewhat from our conversations, at least in terms of like shooting for other people. I wasn't sure about you still shooting content for yourself. And then I think where the books left off, it was like you were starting browsers again. Yes. Or, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's what I thought. Um, all right. So how, how was that decision for you to be done with browsers? Um, well, it was a six month contract that I signed anyways. Uh, so when that ended, I kind of, was like, well, now I'm not like stuck anything. I didn't want an agent. I didn't want to anyone to be like telling me what to do. Um, I like wanted when I made a decision to come back, I was like, I kind of promised myself this is gonna be on my terms. I'm only gonna do the things I want to do. Because before yeah. when I had an agent, I felt like really like I had to take the shoots and I felt like I had to keep topping my old scene. So I, I was in an, yeah. a place where I was like, Oh, my body can't take this anymore. Yeah. And I thought when I did when I did leave, I did say like, like when I was pregnant, people would be like, "Are you going to come back?" And I was like, "I'll never come back," which is very embarrassing yeah. now. Done forever. <laughs> like what every girl yeah. says, and then I then I actually came back. Like you were like one of the few that stuck to her word. So good for you. But I'm just too prideful. <laughs> is what it is, Amber. My fucking <laughs> ego is just like. I'm just like, I'm easily crushed is what that is. (laughs) Right. But so I really thought I like wasn't going to come back. And I was trying, I was really trying not to. And then my husband actually said to me, he's like, I can tell that you're like missing a part of you. Like, and Mm. like he wrote in the book in his little chapter, he's like, I think Amber needs Carmen and Carmen needs Amber. Like they're both parts of me. And like, I kind of escape through like Carmen and like, that's like my outlet to like express mm-hmm. myself and that's why I was like uh, I'm the only reason I wasn't going to come back is because of what other people would think of me being a mother and doing that yeah and yeah. it wasn't because I didn't want to I didn't want to do certain things totally. I didn't used to but I I wanted to do to express myself like that and you know I, I make a good living that way so I kind of I wanted to go back and not working and stuff I kind of like 
lost my identity and he my husband was like they're offering you a contract just go with them so he was the kind yeah, of like so pushing it. me like come on come on which is weird because oh, everyone's like what i just love him <laughs> he's great but yeah so i came back like that man. and and i'm, I'm yeah. happy i did yeah yeah and now you're doing your own hustle and it works in your life and the way that you work it and like lots of people who have shit to say like let's be honest like Will we, selling sex or not, like, will we ever, as, like, women living in this country, will we ever escape the the scrutiny and judgmental eye of, like, what it means to be a good mother? Right. Yeah. Always. Someone's always judging. Like, there's, there's so, so when, so when my daughter was born, she had um, lip tie and tongue tie, right? And I didn't know. All I knew that, like, was my nipples were bleeding and she like every time she'd latch on it felt like there was like a baby wolverine like oh bleeding my at my boob <sighs> and so but i didn't i didn't like real i was like oh well i'm doing something wrong and there's just such a quick jump to like take personal the anything that is going it's like nope if i just and people are like oh yeah like it shouldn't be uncomfortable like blah 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 blah, blah. like this is some natural mother earth shit blah 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 and i was like well i should be like i should be sitting on a fucking lotus flower like breastfeeding this day and like I need to be good at this otherwise I'm a bad mom and there was just this, like quick to decide like oh if I don't do this right then I'm a bad mom oh and my god me, like, I like, say the so, same like, thing to myself but, and like what was it like anyway so I, I just say like fuck everybody and like do you do what you need to do to make yourself like whole and like world. Yeah, so th- that's that's my only thing. It's just like, oh, I, I didn't want the social media comments and like even like what friends or family will think. Like, oh my gosh, because I definitely do have judgmental people, friends and family who I don't like yeah. to discuss that I'm still doing stuff like that with because I'm scared yeah. of their judgment. But I kind of am just, I already did it, and like a lot, a lot of what my family is worried about, and me too, is just like what. She, my daughter was she'll be teased when she's older but I'm like I already I'm it's already out there so I may as well just like bank on this while I can yeah yeah um your daughter is crazy crazy adorable Aww. by the way you, you and Alice have just made such a sweet little human being um oh, thank you and I just I just totally creep on your Instagram pictures of the three of you, admittedly. (laughs) I just look at you three and I'm like, look at this beautiful little family. I love them. Oh my gosh. Thank Um, you so much. Yeah, she's she's perfect. I'm obsessed too. Yeah. I find myself wondering, you talked about, do you mind if we talk about about the abortion? I know that that's kind of like a hot topic in the book and I want to be respectful of you and yeah girl I'm an open book (laughs) yeah girl (laughs) I wonder if it was triggering finding out that you're pregnant like was that was that a tough thing to go through like with Vienna this last time yeah yeah well I left because I really wanted a baby so she was planned yeah. Okay. So when I found out, it was like tears of joy. Like I was so happy, but then you know it did make me think about like 
it was emotional because I wrote about the abortion when I was pregnant. Yeah. And then it kind of made me think like, oh, my gosh, like that. I just like the questions like, what would my baby look like? Was it a boy or a girl? Like, could yeah. I have pulled that off? And like, I, so I definitely still like carry shame about that, I think, like just at myself, like judging myself for making that decision. But I, I do know yeah. that I wouldn't be um, a good as of a mom that I am now with Vienna back then because yeah. I was like addicted to drugs and had no money and with a terrible guy so it, it wouldn't have been a good situation but I definitely it's been something that I still once in a while like I know like the exact date that it happened and I think about it like every yeah. year around that time and I, I get sad about it but I just know that I wouldn't have been able to be a good mother and then I wouldn't have came to LA probably and I wouldn't have met my husband so I wouldn't have Vienna so yeah it's just I would have changed everything and I, I'm happy totally. for how my life is now but I mean it was triggering being I was very happy when it happened but it then thinking yeah. like about my my first pregnancy was definitely challenging yeah yeah I mean I, I, I had sort of wondered about that and like I mean, like, hormonally, I, I knew you were writing this while you were pregnant, right? And, like, hormonally, I know I was a hot fucking potato when I was pregnant, <laughs> like, hot potato. Yeah. And, like, to, I, I think about back to writing I Am Jenny and, like, how emotionally complex that was to, like, revisit all of these really, really um, raw times in my life and, I found myself, as I was reading um, Overcome, I found myself wondering, like, man, like, I wonder if that was just, like, so challenging to to choose to write about the abortion while currently pregnant. And not, mm -hmm. not in, like, a, like, wondering if she regrets it or any of that sort of, like, shit, but just in the, like, man, like, there is so much complicated emotion and so much grief wrapped up in that, like, I can't. I couldn't help but wonder, like, how you were doing. Definitely was challenging. Like, there was certain chapters when my husband would get home from work. Like, he'd be like, oh, what are you writing about this week? Because he could tell I was very fragile and emotional. So, because, like, writing, like, think about, like, writing. Like, you have to sit there and then kind of, like, relive it in your head to be able to write the details of, like, everything you totally. saw and smelled and heard and touched. And so you almost relive it and then, like, typing out every little detail about that situation is is it was therapeutic in a way but it was definitely challenging like when I would get to a certain chapter like about like my mother and cutting ties with her I would definitely yeah. lag on writing because I didn't want to have to write about that but I knew I needed to yeah. to get to start writing my book or to get farther into writing so I would definitely always stall when I got to a chapter that would be difficult yeah yeah, isn't that isn't that funny? Like the the tendency to like like intellectually, you know, you're like, all right, I've got to fucking go there to be able to like experience this and like tell this story. I've got to be able to go to this place that is like so challenging, and then you press right up against, it and it's like, oh my god, this is gonna hurt so much, and then like like delay, delay, but the delay doesn't actually make the hurt any less. You know what I mean? So no, because like, then you have anxiety about writing it, so you're <laughs> thinking about it even more. Oh, exactly. But then, like, 
something just happens where, like, I, I don't know if it's happening for you, but something would just happen where I'd be like, fuck it, here we go. And then, like, that critical mass would happen and, like, the flood would, like, rush forth and be like, okay, there it is. Yeah, but then when you get done, yeah, when you get done and then you're just like, oh, that felt good to let that out. Yeah. Did you have any, like, um, end of writing sessions, like, salves that you would, like, wipe all over yourself to be like, okay, like, we're going to cool out here for a minute? Wait, 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 what did you say? So, like, so, so, like, after a writing, after, like, a really intense writing session, I would go as like a way of like doing like caretaking for myself or like it was basically like wiping like healing salve all over myself I would go and I would get street fruit and I would just get like the hottest fucking like pineapple mango street fruit that I could and I would just like burn the insides of my mouth and I was I mean I I love I love like hot and spicy so it was like a nice gift for myself that I um it was like something that I would I I noticed I would intentionally do after these really intense sessions it was like Okay, let's go fucking do something that's like really loving, but also equally intense for myself. Did you have anything like that? I actually did. I was because I was pregnant. I would go into a bath and I would eat like off of my stomach because my stomach was like an island in the bath. So I would go in there and just like put snacks on my tummy and just be I would always eat. I would write in the bath a little bit because I had like this little like counter thing that would go over it. And I would write a little bit and then I'd be like, all right. I got that chapter done, and then my husband would bring me whatever snack I was craving. I remember I had like a ten pound box of chocolates, and I was just like going, going crazy in the bath with all my chocolates. Amazing! It's, it's such an incredible image of you, like laid up in the bath with this giant belly covered in like chocolate, and then the computer like glow like right in the side. I, That's exactly I what love, it looked like. I love that visual <laughs> wonderful um what tell me about tell me about mom stuff like uh tell me about mom stuff you, that decision to cut her off that was tough where does it stand now like what still still no contact or still no contact um yeah i i'm going through I saw I you know when I got sober I didn't do like the whole AA thing but now I actually did it was like four four and a half years sober and I finally was like you know I don't have any sober friends so I'm gonna check out what AA is all about you (laughs) know I'm gonna go see all about this like unity business (laughs) (laughs) so I went there and I started working through my steps and I don't know if you're familiar with Mm -hmm. it but it's like you have to do um your resentments and then like apologizing to people to do your amends and so I definitely like I had to write down my resentments about my mom and I kind of I did discover a lot more too because I when the book came out um, I went and got my parents divorce files from the courthouse because I was so I was so certain my mom was going to try to sue me so I was like I'm going to go get all the evidence Mm -hmm. to have it ready to like show her if she tries to come at me like that. So I'm yeah. I'm reading all these uh, divorce papers, and uh, I started going to a therapist when they the divorce started, so they could you know yeah. kind of take down what I was saying, so they could t- see who gets custody and whatnot. And I learned a lot more that I didn't know or that I didn't remember happening, just like some yeah. really traumatic things that my mom did to me that weren't in my memory. So that was like kind of painful to read but also made me 
it kind of validated my decision was the right decision to cut her off. Yeah. And um, so I'm, I'm happy with my decision, but then I had to go through the resentments and then the sponsor tries to tell you to like, oh, we'll find the part where you're in the wrong. Find your part. Yeah. I was like, I know. And then she'd be like, oh, well, you were, you had expectations of expecting her to be a certain kind of mother. I'm like, so it was hard. It was hard to do that because I'm like, well, I mean, like, I don't know. I won't get into that. But it was it was hard. But Mm -hmm. I definitely have healed a lot because I'm kind of learning like that was my story and trying to get in the mindset that like that was the right mother for me, because if I wasn't if I didn't do everything I did, my life wouldn't be the way it is now. I wouldn't have this story. I wouldn't be as strong as I am right now. Like, who's to know, like, what would have happened if I wasn't super damaged as a child? Yeah. So I'm kind of coming to terms with it now, but she'll never be back in my life. Like, that's something certain. And my sister is there still, like, friends with her on Facebook. They don't really have a relationship with her either. But yeah. she will post, like, old pictures of me and her once in a while with, like, captions that's, like, pretending she's still in my life, which is odd. She's just mm. a very odd person. So my sisters send me stuff once in a while, but I'm like, please don't send me this stuff. Like, I would just rather go on my life without... I'm good. Yeah, I'm just... I would rather pretend she just doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah, I... Mom stuff is so challenging, right? Like, I... First of all, like, I I can't, so so when my dad died two years ago, almost two years ago, um, my sister and I ended up having to go through some of the divorce papers so that I could find um, some documents for probate, right, so the executive of the state, and, like, going through your parents' divorce papers is not for the faint of heart, like, no. it was pretty much the worst fucking thing that we could have done, like, we we looked through maybe like maybe like twenty minutes of pages and then looked up and we're both like, oh, we're not going to do this. Like <laughs> you learn a lot. Anymore. This is literally terrible. Mm-hmm. Like, this is fucking awful. Uh, and so and so we called it quits. And I found myself um, doing maybe something similar. Maybe maybe not. Like you know, like I I was totally a little bitch to my dad when my parents were getting divorced and you know with my grown woman adult eyes I I can see um how much of my behavior was influenced by my mother's actions and her words and like the narratives that she created around the divorce mm-hmm. and like a lot of that was reflected in their divorce papers too you know so in, in looking at those papers like I was totally struck with, like, so much sadness for, like, that little girl, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, I think about that now. And I certainly don't, um, like, I, I wouldn't change it in, this, in that similar vein of, like, I'm here today and I would be a totally different person, likely living a totally different life without my wonderful husband and, and amazing little human exactly. you know it had things been different and like I can still like look back on that and be like that fucking sucks and like it is so sad that that little girl didn't get the mom that she needed yeah and like I think about that with you too you know like 
Yeah, sure. It's a mom that, like, you had, and we don't have to, like, wish that we're changed, and we can still be, like, we can still grieve that that is the way that it is. Like, what what a, like, sad thing that that was the way that it was, you know? Yeah, I get in that, too, where I'm, like, sometimes I get in the headspace where I'm, like, it's not fair, like... I'm like so mad like that's not fair I didn't get a a normal quote unquote mom you know like I wanted to experience all those things but now I'm just like well I have uh, a daughter now so I can do a mother-daughter relationship the way I want but you know reversed roles now I'm the mom and I didn't get the the love as a little girl but now I can give my little girl love yeah yeah totally um when you found out did you did you guys find out the sex early yes. on? Like, yes, right at sixteen yeah. weeks, as soon as I could. Did that fuck you up when you found out it was a little girl? Like, given that you have mom, it fucked me up. Is why I'm asking. <laughs> really? Like, yeah, it really fucked me up. I was like, oh, this person is going to hate me, and then Aww. had to do some like pretty serious uh, goal searching to like realize that like I'm not my mom and like just because my mom is my mom doesn't mean that like I'm going to be my mom oh wow I kind of had the opposite experience I can totally yeah I can totally see how you felt that felt that way um my headspace was kind of like I'm so determined like I really wanted a girl that's I wanted a girl so bad I was literally like the night before googling reasons to be excited about having a boy because I did not want a boy so I was trying to like hype hype it up just in case it was a boy I didn't want to be like upset because I wanted a girl so bad and I knew I wanted a girl named Vienna and I just wanted to make her have a great like childhood and to have a mother who cared for her so I was really excited I'm like yay I'm gonna do do the best for her yeah 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 I sort of I sort of um, uh, fall easily into that like fear mindset that's like oh everything's gonna go wrong you're gonna blow this and it's gonna be exactly like it was for you and it's like it, it takes for me quite a bit of cognitive work to to step outside just see like going from like the first floor all the way up to like seven floors be like oh shit that's, I'm doing that thing again where like I'm thinking that like the way that things are is the way that they have to be or the way that things were is the way that they will be. And and then I have to do some cognitive gymnastics to sort of like right. work my way around that. Yeah, but I feel <laughs> like if you're so worried that you're going to be that way, you're clearly not going to be because you care so much that you're that focused yeah. about it. Yeah, there's, there's, I think there's like this data behind that, like around like <laughs> you are aware that that is not something you want to do. Then yes. There's a better chance of not doing it. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I do know that being sober will be a huge step in that direction. And also, like, um, you know, being accountable for my actions mm-hmm. is helpful in that way. And that is not something my mom is really um, prone to. Bless her heart. <laughs> she does the best she fucking can. She's just not very skillful and doesn't have a lot of insight. The, so is she an is. alcoholic, too? Oh yeah, oh yeah. She's she is an alcoholic, and she um, she says she's been sober now for going on three years. Um, That's good. It, it turns. Yeah, I mean, like, sure, right? <laughs> but like, I think 
the issue for her has been like the narcissism mm. and like the alcohol has just made the narcissism a little bit softer. Like instead of like cutting you apart with her sharp tongue, she would insist that we dance in a living room drunk on Thanksgiving, you know, like that sort of thing. But like now without the alcohol, there's sort of nothing to point to to say like, oh, well, that's why, that's why I like tore you to shreds or that's why I can't remember what happened. Right. That makes sense. Just not, not, I'm not, I think my decision to stop talking to her was really based on like, well, a few years ago, uh, she, so basically the way it shook out towards, like she found out I got sober and she was like, well, that's ridiculous. I'm like, well, that's ridiculous to think that that's ridiculous. Um, I mean, you know, like I think it happens in a lot of people new in sobriety where like you get sober and then it sort of shakes the people who are closest to you because they have to look at themselves and be like, oh, uh, is this also a problem that I have or am contributing to? And if, if it isn't, then you carry on in that relationship. But if it is and they can't change, then like that relationship dies, you know? Yeah. Um, and that was sort of the case with me and her is that I got sober. I started doing the work in the programs and also in therapy. And I started bringing up difficult questions and like, you know, asking her to be accountable for things and to like own some things so that I could get some peace and, um, you know, ultimately it turned out that she didn't need to own her behavior for me to get peace. Mm. And, um, and the sooner I came to accept that this is who she is right now and that this is not somebody I want in my life, um, the sooner it became apparent that like, this is just not a relationship that works. And so, um, you know, I, I, I made a lot of it for her affection, but it just, uh, they, they largely went unanswered. And then it was like, I had this thought that, like, um, I had a thought that, and it was before I was pregnant or even, like, considering parenting, I had a thought of being in the kitchen with a, a child that I had created and telling that child, no, you can't have that, and then her saying something along the lines of, like, well, your mom won't let you have it, but I will because I love you more than anybody, Ooh. which is, like, totally on brand for her and um and uh and that doesn't work for me you know I was like oh fuck fuck that and so I you know I decided that it's probably not helpful to hold the non-existent child to a higher standard that I hold my myself like I don't want that for somebody who doesn't exist and why why do I let that for me yeah exactly I'm just quit calling her it turns out that she doesn't call me. So that makes having no relationship pretty easy. Yeah, that's kind of what um, happened with me, too. She, like, I was trying to reach to, out to her. To I was just like, just please, like, can we, can you just, like, acknowledge that these things happened and just say sorry for them? Like, I'm so tired of, like, playing this game that, like, everything was fine. And yeah. she did the same thing kind of like you're your mom did well she told me she's like you wouldn't be worried about our past relationship if you were happy in your marriage like throwing it back at me like that so she's totally a narcissist too and super manipulative so it was just like all right well I I tried to like do my part but it's it's just not gonna happen so I told her I didn't want a relationship anymore and that was that and she didn't fight back about it 
Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> like, what the fuck? You know, and like now having a daughter, like you look at this little person and you're like, how? Like, how? Like, I would do any fucking thing for her and to like make sure that like I can take care of her. Right. Even if it means like being like humble and like admitting like where I fucked up because like I can do that. Thank you. AA for that skill, by the way, but, (laughs) (laughs) but like, yeah, yeah, I, it's tough. It's tough to be a mother with a daughter and then to not also be able to like rely on your own mother for yes yes like the one you get pregnant and stuff usually like the mother throws like your baby shower and stuff so that my mother-in-law did it for me but it was just kind of like I felt like oh this is when girls have their mom to help them through or to ask them questions about oh when you were pregnant with me so and like you know such and such and uh, you know you don't have a mom to reach out to to ask about that or like when the birth yeah. of my daughter happened, I was in the same town my mom lived in, but still, you know, nothing. And she knew I was pregnant through my sisters and stuff. So it was hard. And then you do look at your little baby and you have so much love and you're just like, how did my mom not love me and care about me? Like, I, it's just, it's hard to wrap your head around. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I like, I think, I think that they did love us. I don't think they had the skill to care for us in the way that we needed to be cared for. Right. And I try to remember that too, that my mom is an alcoholic and she does have mental illness. And, you know, I, I at one point was the same way and I wasn't a good person when I was an alcoholic either. So I try to just remember that she is a sick person, but it's still, you know, it's, it's, you recognize that, but it still doesn't make it hurt any less, you know? Oh no, it's still so tender. Mm-hmm. So tender. Um, also, what struck me as so tender is that bookending of like your birth on on the, your dad's. Um, is it the subway station? The uh, the subway restaurant. He owns subways. Yeah. in our little small hometown. And then and then and then Vienna's name on it. At the like, I just melted i, I know love that. i know oh, both yeah. of us had our our birth announcement on the same exact sign that was cute that's so sweet so so tell me about the relationship with your dad i know there was um you know tenderness around um you being in the business and how how is it now between you two we're good when i was in the industry and he first found out he just completely stopped talking to me and I thought like wow I just lost my dad I was like oh no no I have no one because he was just obvious I mean obviously he's not happy that his daughter Mm -hmm. is doing that that's understandable but I was hoping for like some unconditional love but that I mean (laughs) eventually around like a year in I messaged him and because I had this really bad dream that something happened to him and that we never made up so I I hit him up and I I told him all these things and he replied love you sweetie and that I was like oh yay like he loves me still and then kind of after that it just went on to be like this unspoken rule that I just won't talk about what I do and we're going to pretend it doesn't happen and it's not happening. So it was just kind of like the elephant in the room that no one was talking about whenever I'd visit. Like he just knew never don't ask about work and I knew not to say anything about work and he never really asked me much about my life because I don't think he wanted to know. 
And then yeah. when I decided uh, to retire to have my daughter and I messaged him that, I remember he met, he wrote to me, this is the happiest day of my life. And I, that was so crushing. Aww. I was like, oh, I hate that I'm hurting you, you know. Uh, yeah. But and but he was so happy when I had my daughter and he he loves her. And now we have a good relationship, you know, like we still like he obviously did not want to read my book. Um, yeah. Like some family like, members fine. did. Yeah. No. I don't want you to read like the sexual details about porn and stuff. So totally. I got that. I got it. I like that's yeah. fine. But um, yeah. But I mean, I don't tell him now that I'm still you know, like shooting my own con. Like, it's just like, I think it's just, we both know, like know that he doesn't want to talk about it. So we just don't. Yeah. Which is like, it's fine. As long, you know, I'm happy he's in my life and stuff. It would be cool to, to talk about, like talk about it, but I can always talk about stuff about work with my husband or my sisters or something. So I understand like he's, that's, I'm his daughter. Yeah. It's just a little too sensitive for him, which, like, of course. Right. That that checked out. And, like, he's not, like, blacklisting you or, like, cutting you out of his life. Like, there's just, like, something. I mean, look, a lot, a lot of families can't talk about politics, right? Like That's true. A lot of families don't talk about immigration. Some families don't talk about, like, you know. So, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, shit, I knew, I knew a, a big director in corn who's, like, Mom had no idea that they were a huge direction board. We go right. over to their mom's house and, and they'd be like, oh, yeah, well, I work for, like, Naked Juice. And he was like, the fuck you do? Like, fuck you do? You know, you know, like, follow the lie through. And it's like, it's just, it's, there are just some things that um, are harder for people to swallow than for us. Right. Yeah, I, I think with my daughter, I'm, I want to have, like, an open relationship. I'd rather me just, like, not get mad about things so she can talk to me. Like, I don't want to yeah. make her feel judged. Because it, it was really hard at one point because both my sisters were getting teased in high school. One was in high school. One was in college. Both were getting teased yeah. because every, it's a really small town. Everyone knew what I was doing. Yeah. And then my dad was getting crap from people, too. So my whole family was just so angry yeah. for for the first couple of years when it was like this huge breaking news in my small town so that yeah. was just like really hard to deal with like because I didn't have like my husband and my daughter now like my own little family so that was like my my whole family was just so against it and I knew it was something I wanted to do so it was it was a hard decision I don't want to make my daughter feel like that but I totally understand at the same time but I think now that I went through that I know that feeling so well that I don't want her to feel that way yeah. So is that to say that, like, at some point you have, like, an exit plan or that there's some um, life available to you? Like, do you see a shelf life for common karma? Yes. So I actually have, like, a financial advisor. I, like, worked out all the details. Like, how long do I have to be making Love so that. much so much money? Like, you know, like, put all the details. So this is yeah. my, my dilemma right now. I could retire in three years. If I don't have a second child, but now I'm kind of getting uh, that itch again. <laughs> I'm getting some baby fever. I'm like, oh, sh- Vienna would be such a good big sister. So now I'm like, have to think like, am I willing to wait and work more years? Because I mean, that sounds really early to retire if you're in like any other 
industry, but like stuff that I'm tired. Like I love what I do, but I also hate worrying about every square inch of my body. Yeah. Like it's on display. Like I just like, oh, I would love to like just not care like a little bit because my body's been my job for a decade now. Yeah, I mean, look, like, I have never once in the past 10 years had to call in sick to work because I have an ingrowth of, like, hair on my, <laughs> like, bikini line. You know what I mean? Like, right? Like, that has never been an issue. But, like, in porn, it was like, well, I have an ingrown hair and it's just not looking great. And they're like, okay, see you in a week. Like, yep. And, like, when yeah. my, my explant, because, you know, obviously there's a lot of scars for that. And the doctor's like, well, don't worry. Like, no one will see it besides your husband. I'm like, um, like yeah, that's not true in the whole internet, sure. you know? Yeah, it's cute. It's cute you think that. <laughs> right? I'm like, oh. So that's, yeah. like, frustrating, too. So now I'm, like, having – because I, I still have, like, some pretty fresh scars. It's been three months. So that's been something challenging, like, per, like yeah. purposely taking away my boobs was is, like, it, those yeah. were a huge, like, identity of me in porn. Like, it's just I have these huge boobs. Ta-da. Like, yeah. so now it's really weird. I mean, I'm really happy for like in my normal life. I'm so thankful to get those literally off my chest because it was they were obnoxious. Like they were not fun to have. And I love working out well, without them. It sounds them. like your health has like improved dramatically. Which is crazy because when I removed them, I knew that. So for anyone listening, I, I had breast implant illness and I was reading about it and researching it and it sounded exactly like me. So I, I went ahead because I was just so tired of being sick and I removed them. But I had no idea it was really that much my breast implants because by the time yeah. I was off the antibiotics, I just had this burst of energy and like life in me. And now I'm not napping all day. I don't have migraines every other day. And it's just like yeah. my quality of life is so different. I felt like I was an old grandma. I could barely get out of bed. Yeah. So, but now I have to deal with the, the scars and not having breasts in the industry, which is, you know, kind of a hard one when all of the girls in the industry have, are not all of them, but, it, you know, lots are altered and you see the big fake boobs and the big fake this and uh, just so coming I'm to terms. I'm surprised that I got out of the industry without any surgery at all. Yeah, so. go you. Yeah. Well, fuck. <laughs> I mean, I blew my money on other things. But, right. You know. Yeah, me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. But so now I'm having to like keep my bra on when I shoot right now because the scars are like put on makeup. So it's been kind mm-hmm. of frustrating to deal with that. But I mean, the decision, I'm so happy. It was just like the best health wise decision yeah. I could have made. Yeah. What, um, what else could you see yourself doing in this, in this life? Like, so statistically, I'll tell you, there's some statistic that says that uh, we have at least four different careers over the course of our lives. Mm. And this, like, sex worker has been, like, a big, like, a big umbrella for you. And there's been a bunch of things in that. But, like, what other careers, what other passions? I know weightlifting and, like, bodybuilding is something that's been important to you. And, like, what else? Could you see writing, obviously, is like, hmm, maybe a future. Like, what else could you see yourself doing outside of the industry? I have, like, so many different things. I want to do, like, I really love, love, love helping addicts. So that's, like, one mm-hmm. thing that I realized that just by telling my story. So 
that's like helping people. So I've been doing in AA, I mean, it's not work because I'm volunteering at doing it, but I'm going into different like hospitals and um, jails and stuff and then doing like a little mini AA meeting where I get to tell everyone my story to people Mm -hmm. who are like locked up and fighting their own battles. So that's been really cool. And it made me want to be like, oh, I want to be help addicts and do something like that but um a therapist is that what I hear you saying right I first of all I didn't know you were doing that that's amazing Mm -hmm. Uh I work in an anxiety specialty clinic see I love that but then there's like the part in my head where it's like oh you could never do that you know like the same thing when about writing a book yeah, and, like, you were so fucking wrong in that part of your head because, look at I'm legit holding the book in my hand. Aw. I'm glad you got to read it. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm glad you wrote it. Like, and I'm also glad that you didn't believe everything you thought. Yes. Yes. I definitely want to write another book, too. I mean, when I think about writing again, I'm like, oh, I could write it about this or this. Like, there's so many different avenues I want to go down. So I do feel like there's a lot. It's just, I think things in my head stop myself. And also I'm just like, the money will never compare to the sex work. Oh, it does. I mean, I charge two fifty an hour. Ooh. Okay. Do you like I mean, it? I, you know, do I what? Do you like, how do you like it? I mean, the money's great, but, like, even more fulfilling is the work that I'm getting to do with people who, you know, come in and are, like, everything is upside down. And I'm, like, well, let's, like, see about that. And then we work on turning everything right side up or in recognizing that, like, just because everything's upside down doesn't mean that, like, everything is bad. Um, it is, I, I think, thematically in this work that I'm doing now and in the work that I was doing in the sex industry, there was this, like, value for, like, helping people and this, like, drive to, like, contribute and, like, help people make and, like, have better lives, whether it was having better sex or whether it's now, like, having a better relationship with themselves or with their partner or even, like, having better sex still, right? Like, all of these skills um, continue to be super relevant. It's un- I'm thrilled. I'm so happy in this career. And I mean, it's, you know, it's been no short journey, but like so fucking rewarding. It's crazy you're saying all of this because that's like one of, you know how you write down your character defects in, in AA? Mm-hmm. My sponsor is always like, you are such a caretaker. Like stop trying to help everyone because I have that same like caregiver nature. Like literally all of my friends are girls that I seen like posting publicly on social media that they're dealing with something you know and then I reach out and I'm like hi I'm here for you and I'm always trying to help everyone and I'm always like the Mm -hmm. person people vent to about their problems which can be exhausting sometimes like if I have stuff going on you know I feel like it could be a defect like where I I take use all my energy on other people but the fact that you're saying that now you get to help people and that's your career that must be amazing because I, I love that feeling, too, of just being selfless and impacting other people's life. Yeah, I don't think that's a defect. I think that is, um, I think it's one of my greatest strengths. I think one of the weaknesses is knowing when I'm doing it to my own detriment. Mm. Like I think I think that's the defect. Is like, when am I trying to pour more out of myself when there isn't any more to pour? You know, like, I like that. I, I, 
um, my old therapist, Cheryl Vermeer, used to say that we all have like delicious energy pies mm-hmm. and every piece of delicious energy pie that you give to somebody is one less piece that you have for yourself. And you have to save some of your delicious energy pie for yourself. And I think I used to give all of my delicious energy pie away. And like, I love that, that. with the D stuff. Yeah, exactly. But like, so being fulfilled and having this like value that drives you to like take care of people, I don't think that's a defect. I think doing that like a fucking addict is a defect. I think that's. Yeah, <laughs> I know. When she told me that, I'm like, wait, that's a bad thing that I want to care for people. But I do get yeah, to like yeah. a certain extent when it's like draining me like that. I need some energy pie too. Yeah, girl, you are energy pie. You don't need any. You just got to save some of yourself for yourself. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. I'm going to think about, like, that's going to be my new little analogy that I use. Delicious energy pie. Use it all you want. It's just save some for you. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I love that. So so you're thinking about something in, like, the mental health field, it sounds like. I would that's love like that. Writing aspirations, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Anything else on your radar? Maybe another baby. Oh, stop. <laughs> it's so They're much so work. Cute. It's so much work, though. But I know my sister's like, you make such pretty children. Like, you need to make another one. Yeah. And I do. I do. I, I really do want to have another. But it's just so much to go through. And then it's like work has to go on the back burner. And, you know, I... So it's it's a big decision, but that's kind of where I'm at right now is figuring out if I want to make another family member. And then, yeah, I, I am trying to do this like soul journey of what because I know there's something else I want to do. I, I love writing. I do love writing and I can help people that way, too, by by writing, you know, like I would love to write mm-hmm. like a self-help book because I feel or about like sobriety or stuff like that, because I used to be just such a, a negative person too even when I was sober so I feel like there's a lot I could help people with that way but now that you put this little therapist idea in my head now I'm like want to start pondering this thought well if you ever want to talk about how to get down that road let me know and I'm totally available to you my dear thank you so much you've been so helpful like this whole time I don't think I would have been able to push through as not as definitely not as quickly of getting my book done without your help well, I'm just so proud of you. Yeah. So proud of you and so honored to have like, gotten to witness all of this. So thank you for sharing it with me. Yes, thank you for helping me. And thank you, Rare Bird and Barnacle, for doing this little podcast and getting us together. Just so meaningful. Yes, definitely. It's nice to to talk to you. I know I did call you when I left Rare Bird. Remember when I first left? I was like, I think I just got a publishing deal. So excited. I, I had know. to call you right away. <laughs> It was hilarious. You were like, I didn't know I was meeting with a publisher, and I was, and I think I got a publishing deal. And I'm like, what? That's what I did. I know, and you it happened so quick. Oh, good. That's good. Yeah, it was good. Well, thank you. It it's been exciting. really nice talking yeah. to you. Yeah, nice talking to you, too. I hope everybody reads your book and loves it. And, like, uh, oh, also keep posting quotes on your Instagram. Like, <sighs> I will. Do you. I so. will. I love my little positivity quotes. Yeah, exactly. And like people who can't have that obviously have some of their own shit going on and probably need it most. And I probably so. don't want them following me if that's all they care about. 
It's a good filter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Quality, not quantity. Exactly. Cool. Well, it was so nice talking to you, my dear. You too. Have a good rest of your day. You too.